This is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is These Walls Are Thin, or formerly known as My Mind Emporium. I will be changing the face of it soon, y'all. Um, I already have the logo made. I just need to figure out how to get it from Canva to, uh, to my uh, cover of my thing. Um, y'all... I am going through like a healing process. So part of my healing process, because, you know, as a Virgo, we, uh, our healing process is where we don't want to deal with no body. Right. So that's part of my healing process right now. I'm trying to keep myself away from people, keep myself um, not talking to people, being around people, giving myself company, giving myself the love I deserve um, because it's ghetto here, okay? And I mean, I know y'all hate the, y'all know y'all hate lockdown, but I love that lockdown. I would just prefer if I was in lockdown in a house by myself rather than with other people. Um, and if we do go on lockdown, I do want to invest in getting a place by myself where I can be by myself in solitude. Um, because a lot of people want to mess your piece up. And that's why I said on my Instagram account, which is lady underscore Tiffany Ma on Instagram, I was, um, I, I was basically talking about, um, people want you to be angry because they're angry. It's the same thing. It's gaslighting. You want someone to be angry because you're angry. You're unhappy with your life. So you want people to be just infuriated. I'm over it. I'm not angry anymore. I'm just frustrated that we always got to find a way to be angry. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that angry, angry spirit. I want it to go away. I want peace. I want to be at peace. I want to have a peaceful spirit, a loving spirit. I'm not okay with that anger. And I realized I have been around uh, several individuals have gaslighted me. It wasn't just one. Several who have gaslighted me to feel something about something I don't care about. Y'all know I'm on here and I sometimes I go into a little racial rant or something like that. And I mean, I'm just going to call a spade a spade, you know, because it is what it is. It is a whole lot of um, racial gaslighting. That was racial gaslighting. That was a situation that was racial gaslighting. And I called it out. And I said, don't fall for that racial gaslighting. It's like they're just trying to divide and conquer us to make us hate each other. I don't hate nobody, okay? I just hate hate. But I'm over the spirit of gaslighting. I'm over the spirit of being infuriated. It just seems like people just want you to be angry and miserable. And that's just not me. I was not raised to be like that. And I definitely wasn't raised to be dressing the way I'm dressing right now. Okay, I was raised to be a lady, honey. Makeup, face beat, acrylic nails, orange paint, 
edges, slick. I don't know what is going on, but none of the women in my family are ugly. I need to figure out how to stop being ugly because I don't like that, okay? I'm cute. And I came from a long line of cute women. I don't get it. But it's just people want you to be unhappy. And it's like, I can't be unhappy if I don't see anything to be unhappy about. So, and I know the last few days I came on here angry and mad. And the reason I was angry and mad was because of people gaslighting. And I was angry and mad at people saying stupid coon shit. So that's what I was angry about. Um, So y'all know how I like to get my podcast started. I just wanted to vent about that because I'm just so tired of anger people want you to be angry and it's hard because it's like every it's always something and it takes energy out of you like right now i feel refreshed because i let that anger go because the last person who gaslighted me this person literally gaslighted me and if you knew who that person was y'all would be like oh my god didn't you love that person They gaslight me. You want to be angry like you, and I'm not. I wasn't raised like that, okay? I was protected. I was protected in the physical and the spiritual realm. And I'm not going to do that. So, yeah, I just want to talk about that. You know, just stop being angry. People want you to be angry. And then the first thing their ignorant ass say is, you can't be mad. Are you mad? they say you look at them like but you made me angry because they want you to feel what they feel which is they're always angry so let angry people be angry people if they want to kill somebody you make sure you get out their way so they can go running with that knife all right you tell jason Voorhees, you tell freaking freddy krueger you tell freaking the screen face face michael myers and them if you gonna be mad go and kill each other chucky be mad at each other. Go kill someone that you mad at. Don't be taking it out on people who don't care. I'm tired of the angry spirit and I'm over it. All right? Y'all want to argue. And I just want Chinese food and a good Netflix movie. <laughs> watching scary movies i forgot about starting my scary movie i got all these lists of scary movies i want to watch and law have mercy i'm mad they move all the monster highs to tubi so now i gotta watch monster high on tubi yes i love monster high i love monster high dolls and there's some more dolls that i'm into that even as an adult i would purchase just to have a color coordinated with those dolls i forgot what they're called i think they're called rainbow dolls where they all have the different color hair they are so cute I'm investing in one for myself this Christmas, okay? Yes, I'm 31 and 5 in the same sense. But yeah, like, y'all, I ain't... Nobody got time for gaslighting angry people. Alright? Sure. Y'all understand, when you stay angry and you stay mad at someone, you turn into a Michael Myers. Michael Myers is a creation of not letting go let it go, like Elsa. All right. All right. So this first story. Oh Lord. Let me see. 
some of these stories are funny as hell to me. Um, but some of them are just crazy. Um, this first story is from V103 Atlanta uh, with Midday Ram Ramona. It says, Congressional report alleges multiple leading baby food branded tainted with toxic metals. The Subcommittee on Economics and Consumer Policies, part of the House Committee and on Oversights and Reform, recently released a second staff report detailing dangerous levels of toxic heavy metals in some baby food products. The latest document, FOIL, initial subcommittee reported in February, which found multiple leading baby food brands are allegedly tainted with levels of inorganic arsenic, lead, cadmium, and mercury. Gerber, Beechnut, Happy Baby Organics, Earth Best Organics, Sprout Organic Food, Plum Organic, which Campbell's recently sold, and Walmart's Parents' Choice are among the baby formulas for baby brands. I'm sorry, it's not formula, it's baby food. So that's what the kids get to eat when they're about five to six months, all right? Not the uh, formula, like Similac. Are among the baby food brands cited in one and or both of the congressional subcommittee's reports. Gerber noted that heavy metals are naturally found in water and soil and can become part of certain fruit, vegetables, and grains as they grow. <laughs> I hate big companies. This is, this is true whether a parent buys them in a grocery store or at the local farmer's market. Gerber said it takes a series of steps to reduce heavy metals and deliver high-quality and safe baby food. In a statement, Earth's best parent company said it has cons consistently supported efforts to reduce natural occurring heavy metals from our food supply and stands ready to assist the subcommittee efforts toward the goal. The FDA has announced an action plan called Closer to Zero centered around child food safety. It sets forth a multiple phase science-based approach to achieving the goal of getting levels of toxic elements in foods closer to zero over time. This is sad. We got to have like a whole meeting about making sure babies get safe food. Um, And then it's crazy because some of the brands are organic brands. Um, So, I mean, you know, when I become a mommy, I guess I'm just going to be blending up fruit and stuff. That's why I say I got to start learning how to work at home because uh, when I have kids, I got to be able to blend that food up, you know. Uh, you, you know, you got to be careful, even when it's organic. And that's the sad part. The organic food is even toxic. Next story is also, well, no, it's not. It's from Hot 107.9 Atlanta, from the Mo Show with Mo Quick Atlanta. It says, um, a Florida man was arrested Tuesday in shooting death of a woman who was on a Zoom call where her two-year-old fired a gun, official says. The man, DeAndre Avery, 22, the child's father, faces charges of manslaughter and failure to securely store a firearm in the killing of Samaya Lynn, 21, on August 11th, the state attorney office said in a statement. So this young man is in prison for the child killing the mom. Because you can't put a two-year-old in jail. Um, I find this to be unfortunate because he wasn't the one... Uh, he wasn't the one that shot it, and the baby didn't mean to shoot it, but you got to keep your guns away from your children. Um, so this is very unfortunate, and the father is an innocent soul in this, you know, but 
in the same sense, when you have weapons, you got to be careful, you know, especially when there's kids in the house and kids involved, you have to be careful. You got to store them away from the children. The next story is from itsonsite.com. Its contributor is Nayara. It says, Wendy manager tosses hot oil on customer at the cold food complaint. Let me tell you this. I got a little short story with this. <laughs> so, y'all know I worked at Taco Bell before, right? <laughs> I sent the article to my mom. I'm like, oh, loud. What did you do? So when I was at Taco Bell, my mama know that they were trying my pimp hand. Like I said, angry people want you to be angry. So they incite anger. And um, I was like mad. Like my mom know I was no cookie book angry. So I sent her an article. From, I forgot where the article came from, but it was from the internet. I sent it to her. They're basically in North Carolina. This employee at, <laughs> this employee at Taco Bell threw a hot burrito at the manager. <laughs> My mom was like, I was hoping it wasn't you. And then I saw it said North Carolina, not Georgia. And I was like, yeah. I was like, I see I'm not the only one whose button's being pushed in these fast food restaurants. For some reason, everybody is anger spiced here. So, like I said, stop letting people gaslight you into being angry. All right, let me read this article. A Wendy's manager has been arrested and released on bond after he allegedly tossed hot oil on a customer who complains about his food being cold. This nigga girl smiling in the mugshot. That's assault and battery. Y'all know why you smiling over assault and battery. This must be your first offense for you to be smiling. The incident occur occurred 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 on Tuesday evening when the Tennessee Wendy manager, Demarius Pritchett, 23, got into a very disagree a verbal disagreement with the customer on when in Wendy's drive-thru, says WBBJ7 News. The 23-year-old manager was seen on surveillance footage walking into the kitchen area and as he went to grab a pan of hot oil. He went on to walk back to the drive-thru and flung it on the customer through the window. According to the report, the customer suffered from widespread burns. I'm pretty sure they did, and that, hurt. that shit hurt. Like, ooh. Right, when I used to try to cook bacon in the morning, it used to pop, and that grease hurt. <clears throat> Which injured his left side and arm. The victim was taken to the hospital after the incident where he was treated. Yeah, dude, you about to search some time. Um, Pritchett admitted to throwing the hot oil and said he had been harassed by the customer in the past. Reports said the shift manager was charged with aggravated assault. Sadly, the victim's mother admit that he isn't in the best condition and she hoped the justice is served. Oh, man. You gonna be in jail, friend. <laughs> you ain't getting away with this one. Um, you gotta smile and like you doing justice, honey. You cannot entertain hateful people, all right? They want you to get in trouble so they can play victim. I bet you he's playing a oh, poor, poor, poor bird thing right now, okay? 
don't don't give people that energy. They're not worth it. And if you're stressed out and you're overworked and you're underpaid, take a break. Just this is not worth it. This next story is from Nora Online Org. It seemed like President Biden is trying to make y'all uh 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 eat these food stamps tellers happy. <laughs> By the way, don't think that I'm talking to just black people. I'm not making a race thing. Y'all make it seem like black people the only one to get food stamps. It said President Biden makes history with 25% permanent EBT food stamp program increase. But that's also not a good thing. That means there's a lot of people out of work. Um, this contributor was Arthur Anglot, and it says, according to the Business Insider, White communities has greatly benefited from the U.S. welfare program. I didn't say that. They said that. <laughs> I told y'all, I ain't just talking to y'all love putting black people out there like we always on EBT cards and stuff, girl. Meanwhile, the black community and people of color have been denied access in greater numbers and multiple occurrence as it has been confirmed by historians and researchers. The pandemic has exposed this disparity and the U.S. government has pumped a lot of money needed cash into the economy to sustain it, yet put the brakes on adopting a wartime economy that some some experts urge is desperately needed. I mean, the households are still experiencing food insecurity in a historic move. President Biden has decided to raise food stamps benefits permanently for approximately 42 million people enrolled. So, you know, this article basically tells you everything y'all need to know. Y'all know, I'm going to tell y'all this. White people are cheap. Okay? The, the richest, the ones with the biggest house and stuff like that, the ones with the biggest houses and stuff like that, they're the ones that be using food stamps. Don't assume that it's always people who in the hood and they ghetto or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, people in the hood know how to work with money because they're still surviving. But you don't make a million dollars by spending a million dollars. Just saying. This next article is from BallAlert.com and this contributor is Cabbage Patch Girl. It says COVID-19 vaccinations no longer required to attend Coachella. I can go to Coachella, y'all! tickets to Coachella so I don't know what I'm talking about but yeah after Beyonce came through I kind of don't want to go to Coachella no more some good news for unvaccinated party goers Coachella will no longer require the vaccine for individuals to attend the music festival the festival published a change on its website emphasizing the participants can enter with the proof of a negative COVID test within 72 hours of arrival instead of the vaccine okay but as you leave Coachella you might have a positive one I'm just gonna say it I ain't delusional. You around a bunch of people. Some of them don't bathe. You gonna leave Coachella with a positive test. Let me keep going. After seeing firsthand the low transmission data and successfully implementation of safety protocols at our festival recently, we feel confident that we can safely update our policy for Coachella, the post read. 
The decision is complete U-turn from AEG present, present presents, which says in August that all tickets attending their event must be vaccinated, inoculated, starting October 1st. <clears throat> we have come to the conclusion that as a market leader, it was up us to take a real stand on the vaccination status. Says Jay Marciano, Chief Operating Officer of AEG and Chairman of CEO of AEG Presents. Just a few weeks ago, we were optimistic about where our business and country were heading. The Delta variant combined with the vaccine hesitancy is pushing us in the wrong direction again. Coachella is set to begin from April 15th to the 17th and April 22nd to the 24th of next year. All right. It's a good and a bad thing. Um... Like I said, you could go in with a negative test, but come out positive. Because you're going to be around thousands of people from around the country. So, yeah. Still wear your mask, which you're supposed to be wearing the mask anyway at Coachella. Because of the, they have like this sand and dust. It's like dry over there. So you're supposed to be wearing a mask anyway because you don't want to get sand up your nose. All right. The next story is from HollywoodUnlocked.com. Its contributor is Jamal Osborne, and it says 14-year-old drowns after swim team put plastic cover on pool while she was still in. This is so sad. This is this is sad. Um, this is a very this is a human mistake. A 14-year-old swimmer drowned after her team forgot she was still in the pool after they covered it with a heavy plastic sheet. Nabila Mazous was found dead in the Hillsborough Shoot Park Aquatic and Recreational Center pool under the cover she had been helping replace after practice ended. Her family has filed a $70 million wrongful death lawsuit against the city, school district, and the company that created the pool covers. Okay, the company that created the pool covers was trying to keep the pool from being dirty. But, um, I don't, $70 million is a reach, one, and this was the people who covered it fall, but you can't sue a bunch of teenagers because they ain't got money. This is sad, though. Um, my thoughts and prayers go out to a family, but I don't know what you're going to get out the covers from this. Here's another unfortunate um story. Then we're gonna end off with something funny. I thought it's hilarious. I almost peed myself when I looked at this. But this next story is once again sad and and it's just don't just be in a relationship just to be in a relationship. Um I know a lot of y'all think that being by yourself is bad. Some people may think by being by yourself is bad, but don't just be with somebody. Just don't just stay in a toxic relationship just because you believe that you have to be in one. Um, this next story is from Hollywood, also from HollywoodUnlocked.com, and this contributor is Jamal Osborne, and it says, Olympic distant runner found stabbed to death in her home, husband listed as suspect. Agnes Tyrope, a two-time bronze medalist that participated in this year's Tokyo Olympic, has passed. The 25-year-old long-distance runner was reported missing on Tuesday night once authorities came to her house located in 
located in Aten, which is a town in the Republic of Kenya. Agnes Tyra was stabbed to death. Now criminal investigators have started and police have listed her husband as suspect. When police got in the house, they found Tyra up on the bed and there was a pool of blood on the floor. Tom McCarry, the head of the local police, shared with reporters. So this is sad. Um, she she attributed she she got a lot of accolades only for her life to be cut short. Um, so this is just this sad. It's sad. Y'all know I like um oh my god. Okay, I gotta do another one. Another sad one, I know. But I have to do this. Because I don't know why this young lady was holding on to that car like that, but she was. Um, this is from MessyBB underscore, and it says, An Instagram model, 28, dies after falling from a Lamborghini in Atlanta's Buckhead suburbs. It says, A 28-year-old Atlanta woman was killed after falling from a Lamborghini that sped off when she accused the driver of robbing her. Authority says, Catherine Kahn started fighting with the man inside a Lamborghini after accusing him of stealing her wallet, identification, and a precious family heirloom. Khan was reportedly drunk and fighting with the man. Let me redo that. The incident occurred on Monday, October 11th, at around 11 p.m. near a restaurant where Khan worked. These numbers, girl. Khan was reportedly drunk and fighting with the man who allegedly stole her purse, which contained her wallet, credit card, and items belonging to her grandmother and her ID. The incident captured a cell phone video showing shows Khan slapping a white Lamborghini and yelling, Call the cops, I just got robbed. My ID, my car, and everything. Everything is gone. Khan then hopped into the vehicle and continued yelling that she had been robbed. The luxury sport car sped off and Khan apparently fell out of the moving vehicle at the intersection of Piedmont and Peachtree Road in Atlanta's upscale Buckhead suburbs. Y'all better let that stuff go. The most valuable thing you have is yourself. Um, I find this to be unfortunate and sad, and I think it's sad that somebody would, would, would end her life over some stuff. This is just stuff. The Lamborghini is just stuff. Her jewelry is just stuff. All of it is just stuff. Um, so my thoughts and prayers go out to um, Catherine Kahn's family. All right, let's end on a lighter note. Let me see, make sure I got the dark out the way. We got to end on a lighter note. I thought this was hilarious when I saw it. Um, and the reason I thought it was hilarious was because children just going to say what they want to say. Specifically, Gemini children. Um... Geminis don't have no filter. They just say what's on their mind. They don't care how it makes you feel or anything like that. They just say it. So apparently, uh, Northwest is already going through her teenage years. And she like only seven or eight. She going through puberty already. This is from the Neighborhood Talking contributor is Shalay Floor. And it says... Kim Kardashian shared that Northwest says mean things to her when they have a disagreement. Most Geminis do. Your house is so ugly, it's all white. Who lives like this?
Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's daughter, Northwest, eight, so I was right, she's eight, never hold anything back when it comes to Kim. But this story that Kim shares about North Sharp's personality takes the cake. On the premiere episode of Ellen's new digital show, Mom Confessions, Kim opens up about some of the parenting fails she deals with. According to Kim, she feels she is very gullible when it comes to her children. She says she is gullible of a good bribe. <laughs> She's guilty of a good bribe. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and tries not to lie to her children about anything that they're getting, and anything now that they're getting older. I understand that. Well, I don't have kids, but I understand you don't want kids to think you're lying. She says, I really try not to tell, lie to my kids, she explained. I was doing that at the beginning to try to get them out of the house or try to go into a play date or things like that. And I just realized quickly it wasn't good to work for me. It, was going, it wasn't going to work for me. And I'd rather be honest with my kids. Also on the show, Kim also shared how mean her daughter North can be when they have a disagreement. Kim shared that North tries to say mean things to her, make her feel bad about anything going on in her house or her life. She's a typical Gemini. Every time I get into some kind of disagreement with my daughter, North, she thinks this is a dig to me. She'll say, your house is so ugly, it's all white. Who looks like this? Kim recalled. She, did th she, I, she just thinks it gets to me, and it's kind of mean because I like my house. <laughs> Girl, she better chill out. <laughs> that concludes today's topics. <laughs> Let me get my two cents on this smart ass child <laughs> before we get into today's topic, which is about Ragnish Purim. And I watched a documentary on that, honey girl. Anyway. Um, she eight years old. And I mean, I'm not one. I'm not one to say beat your child's ass because I don't believe that. But I will say she needs some, uh, in words of Migo, some straightening. Um, were you mad at me? It, like I said, she's a typical Gemini, and Kim's probably used to it because she deal with it with Kanye. So when Kanye mad at her, he probably sit there and say nasty things. No, Jim and I say nasty things they don't mean. And then <sighs> they just say nasty things, okay? They know they ain't supposed to say them. They just be saying them because they mad. All right. So she's being a typical Gemini, but she she needs some pulling aside saying, girl, listen, let me tell you something. All right. You, when you get your own house, which we're going to make sure that by the time you're a teenager, you're going to have your own little whatever line. And she is, okay? North's going to have a business by the time she's freaking 14. Until you get your own house, dear. You're going to deal with this ugly-ass white house. <laughs> It's not easy being a celebrity kid, I heard. You know? But yeah, she's a typical Gemini. She just like her daddy. And she a typical Gemini. That's just her. This is how she is. All right? Um, so, you know, I already told y'all that today's topic is about Rajneesh Purim. 
this one goes, uh, I think, back to the 70s and 80s. Something like that. I don't have much to say on it. I just watched it. I remember watching the documentary like a few years ago. I think it was two years ago. I'm not quite sure. It was before the pandemic. And I watched a documentary about this. And girl, it was juicy, honey. This man had it going on. He had his own little country. Then moved it to America. Now, that's when he messed up, when he moved to America. Because <laughs> in America, you're not allowed to have your own little circle. All right? Uh, so, I want y'all to sit back and relax. Um, I'm not quite sure if y'all can stomach some of these things or or, or whatever have you. Um, some of these cults are not as bad as I thought, except for Nexium. Nexium was awful. And that was how that happened in this century. Um, but I want y'all to sit back and relax. I want y'all to listen to this. Topic. Girl, this story right here. At see how long it was before I did it. So I found this on NHS. NEH.gov slash humanities. And it says the Rognish poem was more than a utopia in a desert. It was a mirror of the time. The rise and fall of Zorba the Buddha and Oregon. The rapid rise and sudden collapse of Rajneesh Purim in Central Oregon during the 1980s is surely one of the most remarkable tales in American religious history. Named after the iconoclastic Indian guru, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, aka Osha, he has since passed, so he passed in 1990. Rajneesh Purim was widely creative religious community that brought together thousands of young devotees from all over the world to create a kind of love of free kind of free love new age utopia in the Oregon desert and we're kind of fiending for that again right everybody wants to face fiending for that but you got to be careful with it <clears throat> far ahead of its time in the use of organic farming recycling and the blending of the eastern and western spirituality Rognish Purim was initially a lease an astonishing successful social and religious experiment that attracted thousands of visitors and generated millions of dollars in income. Mm -hmm. Yet within just a few years, the movement went quickly off the rail and finally collapsed amidst a stunning array of criminal activities. These include one of the largest wiretapping operations in U.S. history. The largest immigration fraud ever recorded, and most shockingly, the largest bioterrorist attack on American soil, which involved the spread of salmonella bacteria to salad bars and produced stands throughout the Dales, Oregon. What? Most Americans today probably only remember Rognish as the sex guru and the guru of the rich, most infamous for his sex positive teaching and his fleet of 93 Rolls Royces. However, as I have argued in my recent book, Zorba the Buddha, Rognish and his movement represent something far more significant than just another curious antidote for the Reagan area. Reagan era. 
Rather, they provide a critical window onto some of the most important religious, economic, and political trends of the past 50 years, highlighting the complete transnational flows between India and the United States and the strange spiritual logic of global capitalism. This spring, Ragnish and his fascinating religious experiment experience experiment has have have also been brought back to public attention through the new Netflix series, Wild Wild Country, directed by the brothers McLean and Chapman Way. The series blends vintage film clips with personal accounts and contemporary recollections from members, local residents, and journalists. Much of the narrative is retold by Ma Ananda Sheila, born Sheila Patel, who served as Ragnish's personal assistant and orchestrated most of the criminal activity carried out during the organ phase. Just to let y'all know, you know, I think Oregon is one of those states that's majority white. So, you know, this wasn't gone. Um, let's just say this. It was just not going to stay the way it was going to stay. Uh... If you're a brown or black person and you show your wealth with 99 Rolls Royces. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Bogwan. Sir, no, sir. No. Mm -mm. Let me continue. The filmmakers apparently tracked Sheila down in the forest of Switzerland, where she had relocated after serving 29 months in prison for her involvement in the crime of Ragnish Purim. Sheila's account is supplemented and also complicated by a range of other perspectives drawn from local citizens, former members, and law enforcement officials that paint a complex and general sympathetic portrait of one of the most controversial and at the time simply baffling religious experiments of the past 50 years. See, I tell you, when we be getting away with crimes, there'd be a guilty as men. But she did serve time in prison. The six episodes trace the development of the movement from India in the 1970s to the final collapse of the Oregon Ranch in the 1985. Ooh, he had a nice little 15-year run. In the first episode, we see early footage from the first ashram in Pune, India which was vibrant, wildly eclectic community that combined elements of Western psychology and encounters groups with various forms of Eastern spirituality. The directors interspersed footage of Ragnish's early lectures, known for their iconoclastic, iconoclastic and irrelevant rhetoric with reflections from Sheila and the other followers, the early followers who tried to explain the powerful charisma of the guru and his hypnotic appeal in so many younger Westerners at the time. The second episode recounts the move to America, the establishment of the new Ragnish movement in Oregon, and the first conflict with the local residents of the small retirement community of Antelope. In the third episode, the film examined the growing influence of Shula in the community in Ragnishi's attempts to sway the election in West Glasgow County. These efforts include the infamous Share a Home program through which thousands of homeless people from all over the U.S. were bused on the ranch and registered to vote. 
a fairly transparent transparent effort to swing the election in favor of Ravnish Porum. The fourth part then delve into the truly bizarre and violent phase of the community, which culminated in the spread of Salmonella bacteria at various sites in the Dells in an attempt to suppress voters turnout among the growing numbers of critics of the movement. The largest act of bioterrorism in American history. Yeah. The Salmonella out attack sickened over 700 people and was apparently only a dry run of even more ambitious plans to poison the city entire water supply. Girl. Oh, girl. Mm. A lot of these cult leaders sound like villains in superhero movies. I think that's the only reason why it turns me on because I love villains and superhero movies, but I like it when it's fictional, not real. When it's real, it gets scary. Let me continue. In part five, we follow the growing split between Ragnish and Sheila over these incredible radical activities, which has also attracted the attention of the FBI and the state attorney general. And finally, in part six, the series examined the collapse of Ragnish Purim as Bhagwan himself fled the ranch and Sheila had several cohorts cohorts were arrested in Germany facing a staggering array of criminal charges. Perhaps the most powerful, original, and effective feature of Wild Wild Country is its use of vintage footage to capture the intensity, dynamism, and often sheer weirdness of Rockneach Forum. Like others outstanding documentaries such as Jonestown, produced by PBS American Experience, Wild Wild Country use no narrative voiceover, but instead allows original footage to tell the story, which is for the most part extremely effective. The series also does a admirable job of recounting the story with all of its criminality and violence in a balanced way that helps the viewer emphasize with both sides in the conflict. More than just another cult that went off the deep end, Ragnish Purim is portrayed as an innovative religious experiment that was also subjected to xenophobia and intolerance by the local Oregon residents. Resulting conflict was thus a kind of neutrality in reinforcing spirits of mischoice, paranoia, and hostility on both sides that very quickly spun widely out of control. Despite its entertaining, provocative, and sometimes jaw-dropping narrative, however, Wild Wild Country does have a significant weakness, has some significant weaknesses that will be evidence to anyone trained in humanities. The most pronounced of these is a general lack of attention to the spe specifically religious nature of Ragnish's teaching, or miraculously, what he called a kind of religiousless religion. Despite some of the effort to describe his philosophy, his philosophy and some of the groups practiced in the first episode. The film does not give the viewers much idea what was compelling about this particular guru. Why we are left wondering, did thousands of people in India, Europe, and the United States find this eccentric teacher so persuasive that they would follow him halfway around the world and build a utopian to commune around him? Despite his many flaws, Rockneesh did craft an original synthetic synthesis of Eastern thought particularly Buddhism, with key aspects of post-Freudian psychoanalysts and a powerful message of sexual liberation. In addition to missing the powerful appeal of Ragnish and iconoclastic philosophy, the film also overlooked his keen, biting, often merciless sense of humor. 
Rockne's satirical wit with his often hilarious critique of the hypocrisy of mainstream religious and political institutions were surely a major part of his appeal, not just in the 1970s and 1980s, but still today, as his many books and videos continue to be hugely wildly pop, hugely popular throughout the world. I'm about to say a lot of people teach what um Rogneesh talk now and they make it seem like it's new, but it's not. Especially the sexual liberation part. Let me continue. The series failed to place the movement in a large historical context. Soria Rogneesh Quorum ultimately extended well before and long after the brief experiment in Ohio. It is impossible, for example, to understand the success of this movement without situating Rogneesh in the context of India during the late 1960s, as thousands of young hippies were beginning to flood into the country in search of a quick enlightenment and or cheap drugs, while also mixing in their own idea drawn from Western psychology and sexual revolution. Rogneesh himself was often an outspoken social and political critic, attacking the socialist policies of Nehru and the, and the religious purity prudery of Gandhi, while also calling for India to open its doors to the Western capitalism. The move to Oregon was thus a fulfillment of his large ideal of wedding in of the of wedding East and West, what he called the Zorbo, the Buddha. By bringing together the spirituality of Buddha with the materialism and sensuality of Zorbo the Greek. In this sense, Rajneesh was really one of the first truly global gurus of the modern era, tracing the complex circuit from India to the U.S. and back again, while also synthesizing Eastern philosophy with American-style capitalism. The truth of the matter is, when we deal with this and we talk about this, uh, he attracted Americans and America was okay with him because he did teach capitalism and he did teach an American way of life. The issue is that he had 99 Rolls Royces and he tried to win over a dairy white bread area. They would have left him alone if he didn't try to contaminate the water. He had some power. He could have took over the whole nation, honey. But he started doing that little silly stuff like you villains like to do. Let me continue. If the series had been able to capture more of this broader historical and religious context, the viewers might understand this movement as something more than just another oddball cult that popped up during the Reagan era. Instead, it might be seen as a powerful reflection, indeed, even a microism of more, much larger spirituality, economics, and global trends over the past five decades. That concludes this article. Y'all know I got to give my little 12 cents over here about this whole situation. Um, I already told y'all what he went wrong. He went wrong thinking he could take over a dairy white town. Um, and then he started doing a little nasty stuff, like putting salmonella and stuff and things like that. But his teaching, because he's passed, he's been gone for 31 years now. It's still used to somewhat a degree these days. Americans love adding, uh... Eastern country, Eastern culture to everything. You know, people love Confucianism, Buddhism. 
people love yoga. Y'all definitely love the Kama Sutra. Let's speak about that. Mario was supposed to teach me about the ghetto one. Um, and see, that's see, and that's the mixture of Western and Eastern culture, ghetto Kama Sutra. See what I'm saying? We love Asian culture here, okay? Um, whether it's Indian, India is an Asian country, y'all. Indian, Japanese. Specifically, we like Indian Japanese. It's something very beautiful about Indian culture to me. Um, I don't know what it is. I I, I don't I like the the saris are gorgeous. The colors they wear during their weddings is gorgeous. Same thing with Nigerian culture and what they wear during their weddings. It's just so beautiful and colorful. And Indian food is the bomb diggity. So we love combining our culture with their culture. You know, it's nothing like adding some color to a, a blank canvas. But you can add it, but you can't have it take over, if you know what I mean. And their issue was that Mr. Bhagwan Ragnish almost took over a whole little small town. And he could have probably taken over the state and eventually the country. That was the issue with that whole situation. The more you look and deeper you look into a lot of these cults, you find that the issue is not really the fact that it's a cult or the fact that it might not even be a cult. The issue is it becomes as powerful as the United States government. Um, it hit my issue is that you put in, you, you spread salmonella and stuff just to win an election. Now that's some evil uh, Lex Luthor shit. <laughs> to get into where you need to go we all know though you read the uh superman comic books lex Luthor did eventually become president so it's not too far-fetched that bhagwan ragnish could possibly have been the president of the united states but he got too close and they were like nah we good we're gonna go ahead and take y'all down y'all gonna go ahead and serve some time in prison mm-hmm but people still follow, okay, Bhagwan Ragnish teachings, okay? People still follow it. There's nothing wrong with his teaching, but there's something wrong when you're trying to make people sick through poison in their water. Um, with that being said, I hope you guys love this podcast, okay? I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I hope y'all have a lovely, beautiful Thursday. This week has went by really fast. Guess time goes by when you're having fun and then it doesn't go by because when you start doing things you don't like, uh, it seems like it's forever. It seems like 24 hours is too long and, you know, it's just we always find a way to complain about something, but it's not really anything to complain about. Anyway, tomorrow's uh, podcast is going to be about Angel's Landing. Uh So, I don't know much about Angel's Landing. I only know about Rogneesh Porum. I only knew about James, the Jones, um, Jonestown. And I only knew about uh, a little bit about Heaven's Gate. Um, and Nexium, of course, because Nexium recently happened. Um, so, with that being said, thank you guys for listening to my podcast. These walls are thin.
So be careful with what you're doing because somebody is always watching. I am so outie.